0: you join me today in your Bible in the book of Mark chapter number 8 if you would please and I am so glad that you're here I wish you'd come tonight because I'm going to preach tonight on this subject using your influence to honor God using your influence to honor God I would like for my influence to be positive on everybody that I'm around I would like for my influence to be positive to the kids that I, God has entrusted me to raise and to love and to discipline. Uh, I just out in public, I saw a lady yesterday with a kid about this big. No, I don't know how big it was. She, Mama told her to do something and she hit Mama. I went over and said, would you let me bar that brat just a minute? No, <laughs> I not No, I didn't. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. Won't be long that girl thinks she can do that to her teachers. It won't be long till she can do that to police officers. Won't be long till uh, that, you know, so uh, all of that influence. So tonight, I'd like to talk to you about using your influence to honor God. This morning, I don't know what I'm preaching on after looking at that. In your Bible. Mark, chapter number 8, we'd like to welcome you by way of, who've joined us by way of live stream and radio, wherever you may be around the world. We're so glad today to be here. We're right before uh, entering into our summer campaign, uh, jump the summer slump, you know, and we're going to do that. Next Saturday, let me encourage you to join us Be one of 200 that's going to go out into our community invite folks to the Lord and to our church. Next Saturday, be one of 200. Sign up out front and use your influence for the Lord Jesus Christ. Next week, if you do that. I read for you now out of the book of Mark. Begin reading at verse 31. And please be aware of where we are in the Lord's ministry. Heretofore, the disciples has had a pretty easy road. The only thing they've experienced heretofore in the Lord's ministry are miracles and wonders and amazements. Amazed at our Lord walking on the water. Amazed at Him taking just a few loaves and a few fishes from uh, big D's and making a... A Sunday special and fed 20,000 folks. Again, 4,000 and just a few loaves and a pitiful bunch of fish and fed 4,000 plus men and women. The disciples has only experienced thus far happy Christianity. Bless me kind of Christianity hallelujah kind of Christianity. No pain, no strain. That's all they've experienced. If they were hungry, the Lord fed them. If they were needy, the Lord met their need. But something is about to change. Look at verse now, 31. And he began to teach them. Now be mindful if you would please. The Lord is no longer majoring on miracles. They should have already encompassed and endured and also come to the conclusion that he's not just your ordinary prophet. In fact, Peter said, Thou art the Son of the living God. Miracles are no longer necessary for the disciples. Miracles are no longer necessary for the multitudes because the miracles has proclaimed who He was and who He is. From this point on, He's not majoring on miracles. He's majoring on teaching. And... uh, he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. The disciples are dumbfounded. The disciples is not expecting a Messiah to die on a cross. The disciples are expecting a Messiah to sit on a crown, sit on a throne. And Peter said, and he spake that saying openly, and Peter took him and began to rebuke him. Oh, Peter must not have brains. God give a screwdriver. In just a verse above that, Peter has professed that he is the Son of the living God, creator of heaven and earth. And three or four verses later, Peter said, You don't know what you're talking about. I wonder if we have any Peters here today. Who professes one thing on Sunday and lives another thing on Monday? And when he had turned about and rebuked and looked on his disciples. He rebuked Peter saying, get thee behind me, Satan. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. I wonder how many of us attend church regularly. But us the things of men. And not of God. How many of us do you think. Really and truly. Are sold out. To God. In the disciples life. A time of reckoning. Has arrived. So. You want to be. My disciple. So you want to follow me. The throngs and the crowds are so so huge. That at one time he had to get out in the lake. Just to have room to teach the throngs and the crowds that are surrounding him. And then Jesus. Says in verse number 34. And when he had called the people unto him with the disciples. He said unto them, whosoever will come after me. Let him deny himself. Take up his cross. And follow me. Preacher, are you going to get rough today? No, no, no. Don't have to. Jesus already has. (laughs) I'm not preaching yet. I'm just reading. Deny himself. Deny himself. Chocolate cake. Calf slobber on top. Deny himself. Exercising. Muscles say, too tired. Body says, couch. (laughs) Deny himself. Verse 35. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel, the same shall save it. Then he asked his disciples and the multitude a question. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or... What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him also shall the son of man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his father with the holy angels. Now, Father, today, it looks to me like this thing of Christianity following the Lord, being a disciple, being a testimony, a witness, having a purpose in this life is a mighty serious thing to you. And so, Lord, I pray today you'd make it a very serious thing to me and to everyone who hears today. May the word of God accomplish that which you've sent it forth. May I not add one jot or one tittle. But may I also not refrain for people's sake. But Lord, may you be honored today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. A little cartoon showed a church sign in front of a church. And under it read, the light church. We have light beer. (laughs) We have light bread. What's wrong with having a light church? Under the sign it read, 24% less commitment. The home of 15 minute sermons and 45 minute services. We have only eight commandments in our church, and it's your choice. Everything you've ever wanted in the church and less. Funny, isn't it? Could I give you three words to describe everybody's relationship with the Lord here today? The first word I would give you would be casual. Casual Christianity. Casual Christianity is that kind that is occasional, irregular, and I come when I want to and when it's convenient. You say, how does that describe me this first time I've seen you in a while? (laughs) So are you preaching to me? Yeah, if you've been missing a lot. Casual Christianity. And the world is filled with casual Christianity. And up until the day that Jesus spoke these words, the disciples and the multitudes were casual Christians. Could I give you another word that might describe some? Convenient. Convenient, if you please. Uh, uh, Suitable for one's On purposes and self and needs. A convenience. Are you coming Sunday? Well, if it's convenient. Do you treat your job that way? Treat your bank account that way? Treat your kids that way? If you do, I'll show you a bunch of outlaws when they grow up. But yet in our churches we have... Many of those, and I'm not condemning you. I hope you come when you have convenient. Maybe I can teach you that it might be convenient not to do what you're doing and to do what God wants you to do. I do not want to make you mad. I, do, I just want you to open your eyes that in our relationship with God, all of us will fall in one or three of these. One, casual. Two, convenient. Three, comfortable. What kind of pews you got? Does your air conditioning work? Is it air conditioning? One thing about our church, you don't like the temperature, just move around. <laughs> They'll be freezing to death over here and burning up over here. You say why? Because we want to suit you. We want you to be comfortable. Because we know that many Christians. Now don't get mad at me. Is anybody mad yet? If you are stand on your head. <laughs> if you're mad, we'll let you give a thousand dollars. We'll take another offering. <laughs> don 't get mad, I just want to say to you today, just like Jesus was saying to the disciples, now Peter, now the rest of you guys it 's been convenient for you it's been you 've just been casual with it and and, and you 've been comfortable up with it now, but I want you to know something. The Son of Man must suffer many things, and then he said, Just like I suffer, and if I take my cross willingly, and if I lose my desires. My disciples should do the same. Do you know what's wrong with our discipleship program? I was telling my wife coming back. The people who's going in through discipleship are not dead yet. Jesus said that we need to take up whose cross? Our cross. Jesus said, I'm going to take mine up. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. I'm going to be buried. I'm going to raise again. Just like I have a cross. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you also have a cross. And it's not sickness. It's not your wife. (laughs) Well, I got to bear this cross. I guess I said it for better or for worse. Come on now. Go ahead and laugh. It won't hurt you any. But I think all of us would fall into some of these three categories casual, convenient, and comfortable. And that is defining our relationship with God. But if you'll look in our Bible today, you will find. That there is nothing casual, nothing convenient, nothing comfortable about being a disciple of Jesus Christ. If somebody told you, if you'd get saved, all your problems would be gone, they lied to you. They lied to you. Your problems are not gone. You are have a cross to bear. And I want you to notice something. Jesus gives us a motive. Look in verse number... 35. If you would, Jesus gives us a motive to move us in that direction, in the direction of being a disciple, in the direction from happy kind of Christianity to God honoring kind of Christianity. Here it is, verse 35. Jesus said, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel, same shall save it. Is that a good motivation to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? I didn't hear you. Is that a good motivation? Isn't it amazing how many people come to the end of their life and they've made no impression positive on anybody? Isn't it amazing how many folk come to the end of their life and look back and The preacher has to eulogize eulogize them. And when the preacher gets up there, he's asked to lie about what a great Christian they were. I wonder today if I had to have your funeral tomorrow, what positive thing for God could I say about you? The greatest motivation I know of in all the world for my life is it might honor the Lord Jesus Christ, God Almighty, because he created me to be here for a purpose. Notice, if you would please, I need to help you a little bit. It's dying on me. I want to show you something, if you would please. Three things I want to show you today. Casual faith and committed faith. There's a lot of difference in casual faith and committed faith. Casual faith can save you. It can save you. Casual faith is running from hell. Committed faith is running to heaven. Man, I'm glad I got saved. I'm going to miss hell. That's casual faith. Thank God you missed hell. But all you've been doing is living like hell ever since then. Committed faith honors God. Casual faith honors you. Yeah. Committed faith says, yes, Lord, I'll go. Casual faith says, I think I'll pray about it. Don't that sound religious? Amen, sir. I think I'll pray about tithing. No use. Because <laughs> yeah. you're not going to. Yeah. <laughs> so you got to pray about a commandment of God. You can forget about yeah. praying about it. It ain't going to work anyhow. I'm going to pray about going to church. No, don't do that. You're already commanded to go. Every time we meet, you're commanded to be here. Is that right? And a committed faith will be there. A casual faith will do whatever they want to. Well, I'll be there if it's convenient. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever heard that? Well, I'm just not comfortable when Brother Wimberger preach. To tell you the truth, I'm not either. Brother Watson's here. He's back on the back row. He's asleep, but I'm glad he's here. <laughs> Brother Watson, pastor of the church a long time in Grand Prairie, Texas. Did a great job. He sure did. Yes, sir. And he had me for a revival when I was re- in evangelism. And uh, it was a long time after I went in evangelism before Dr. Watson had me. So when he had me for a revival, and we had a bunch of folks saved and stuff. I asked him, I said, Dr. Watson, why did it take you so long to have me? He said, because I was worried about what you might say. He said, I don't know. Nobody knows what you're going to say. I said, Doc, I don't know either. So we're even. (laughs) Amen. Come on now. I'm talking about casual faith, convenient faith, and uh, comfortable faith. But then there's a committed faith. Now notice what Jesus is teaching his disciples now. And I, I'm not, I don't want to get in your face. I just want to show you what Jesus said to his disciples. Number one, he said to these guys that's been following him all this time. And seen the miracles, experienced the wonders. And had a hallelujah kind of Christianity. All of a sudden, Jesus looks at them and said, there is a denial you must embrace. Verse 34. A denial you must embrace. And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples, also he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, your choice, your choice, my choice. You don't have to. Jesus ain't said I'm on hitching ahead head with a zapping stick if you don't. Jesus not say is not going to say. I'm going to rain on your parade if you don't, but if you want to follow me. That's what he said. And he said, whosoever, he didn't say disciples or lost people. He said, whosoever, whosoever, ain't that good? Don't get mad now. You don't have to embrace it. You don't have to do it. But now if you want to be a Christian and you want to be God's kind of Christian, Not my kind of Christian. Not your kind of Christian. Not a convenient, casual, or comfortable kind of Christian. If you want to be his disciple, then whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself. There is a denial we must embrace could I please say to you, and I'm just going to use the endeavors that I'm familiar with, okay? Going back over 73 years of business, farming, church planting, being a married man, raising a family. Now, I can't say about being a, a, a gignoteque I don't I don't know if you got to do anything to do that except just be smart I don't know But there has not been one field of endeavor that I have entertained that has not required one ingredient for success not one My wife and I have been married 30 years. It is not a 100% deal. It is 200% deal. If you don't deny yourself of some things in marriage... you know, them little girly pictures you're watching on your internet. It's going to destroy you and your family. I'm hooked. No, you just need to deny your lust, your greed. In a marriage, it's a 100% time of not you but them. Right. The definition of love is sacrifice. Amen. For God so loved the world that He what? Amen. His only begotten Son. Here in His love, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent His Son to be a sacrifice for our sins. Absolutely. You cannot be a good marriage partner without you deny yourself. How about church planting? I bet you think that when I started this church, all I had to do was print a bunch of brochures, put a sign out front, and just sit down, eat, drink, and be merry, and that's it. (laughs) Buy good coon dogs and hunt all the time. Can you imagine this church being what it is today without somebody denying themselves of what they want and do? Amen. Amen. A business. I started my own from the ground had no money. Started my own business. I got saved. I had 22 men working for me. An hour Upon hour upon hour. When the time clock punchers left. Yeah. There was somebody there. Yep. Still trying to finish this too. Making sure it's gone to heat treat. Making sure it's prepared to ship. Somebody was there. When everybody else. Was gone. Yep. Right. Somebody that liked to have been home with their family. Somebody liked to have gone to the bar with the boys. But no, somebody had to deny themselves. You've got anything you know that you can be a success at if you don't deny yourself. Why in the world do you think you can be a good Christian then? If it's casual, convenient, and comfortable. Why would you not want to do that for our Lord? After he went to his cross. And denied heaven. And denied all that he gave up. Just to be. Peter, you need to shut up. And tell Satan to go back to hell where he came from. Because you don't know what you're talking about. Man, I've had funerals. that wasn't this quite. Amen. Self-denial is to follow Christ no matter the cost. I know you've heard the story about the two young brothers... Who came downstairs for breakfast. And mama was cooking and griddling some uh, pancakes. And the boys began to argue about, I want that, I want this. And mama felt that this is a great teaching moment. And she said to the boys, what do you think Jesus would do? Jesus would say, go ahead, I'll eat later. The oldest boy said to his brother, you be Jesus. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Come on now, don't get mad at me. Isn't that the truth? You be Jesus and I'll, I'll take, uh, you just be Jesus. I'll take mine later. A denial. You see, the Martin Luther said, listen, a religion that gives nothing costs nothing and suffers nothing is worth nothing. Now, fellas, all you've seen is a bunch of miracles but things are about to change. There is a denial we must embrace. Why do you think they put the Super Bowl on doing church? I hear tell the Rangers are playing this evening about church time on ESPN. That's got to be religious. Anybody here feel like being a Christian tonight at 7? Anybody here tonight feel like honoring God at 6.30? Or isn't it convenient? Just ask you. See that's what Jesus is talking about. Up until now fellas it's been convenient. It's been comfortable. It's been glorious. Everybody just saying hoorah. And Lord did you know when we came back even the devils were sub- subjected unto us. We healed the sick. We raised the dead. Even devils were submission to us. Jesus said boy that's great. Now if you want to be my disciple. You want to follow me. Let me give you three things. First of all, there is a denial we must embrace. Secondly, there must be a death that we experience. There must be a death that we experience. The Bible said, do you believe what the Bible says? Whosoever will come after me let him die and deny himself. Now let's just raise and take up his cross. There was a death we must experience. I think the cross he's talking about is not the one you got around your neck. Because most folk would rather wear one than to bear one. You heard about, during the war, Second World War, a young soldier was digging a foxhole. And he was fervent about it because bombs were bursting and guns were shooting and lightning was flashing. And man, he was digging his best to get that hole as deep as he could be. And clank his shovel hit something made out of metal. And he looked at it and it was a cross. How in the world did a cross get there? A metal cross. And he laid down in that foxhole, boy, and I tell you, the battle was raging and he got scared to death. Hit his face in the dirt and after a while he felt somebody jump in the hole with him. He looked over and it was the company chaplain. The soldier said, my God, I'm glad you're here. Would you tell me how this thing works? Do you know how the cross works in your life? Take up his cross? How does the cross work in our life? Now, what did Jesus mean? Take up his cross. Would you like to know how it works? It's not to ward off vampires, it works, I guess. It's not to take to bed with you for fear that the goblins will get you at night. How is the cross working in your life as a Christian? There is a death we must experience. And most of us have a misconception Of our cross with a blood pressure of two twelve over a hundred and fifteen, a heart rate vacillating from twenty five to a hundred and fifty. To hear the doctor say you're a prospect for a stroke. The only thing I know is to thin your blood so thin that your blood pressure will be lowered. And put a pacemaker in to regulate your heartbeat. Or you'll have a stroke. Well, I guess that's just my cross. To carry. The doctor says you have diabetes. Insulin is next. The slow, silent death in America. Well, doc, I guess that's just my cross. That's not your cross, that's just your burden. A cross is voluntarily. Jesus said, I ain't going to give it to you. You pick it up. My cross is not a death in my family. My cross is not sickness. Although the burden is heavy, my Lord will make a way, but that's not a cross. A financial setback is not the cross you have to carry. Bankruptcy is not the cross That's just burdens of life. That's the hardships of life. And God will make a way with that. But that is not the cross. Jesus is asking us to pick up and carry voluntarily, continually to honor him. Wow. Bearing my cross is a daily, voluntarily, determination and choice that today I am going to honor my Lord whatever. And if something comes my way that is not honoring to Him, but my flesh cries for it, I am to deny myself. And choose to bear my cross. Now you don't have to do that. You can save your life. And when life is over. You've counted for nothing. You say well I made a lot of money. Your kids are going to fight over it. You say I built a lot of buildings. They're going to belong to somebody else. You don't have to do what I'm saying. But Jesus said, you put her down. If you don't do what I'm saying, you're going to lose your life. Yeah. You're going to lose everything that's important. Yeah. Amen. And when you come to the end of the road, you'll worry about the next trip. Don't get mad now because... You don't have to do what I'm saying. How does this cross work? What time is it? i got to go. i got to go. But how does this cross work? What did Jesus mean? Take up your cross. There's a death we must experience. Now, this is written about... 30 AD. Jesus said to his disciples in 30 AD, if you want to follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. 30 years later, after three years on the backside of the Arabian desert, being taught by the Apostle Paul, I mean, by Jesus. The Apostle Paul, 30 years later, tells you how this cross works. In Ephesians chapter, well, I missed a book. Galatians chapter 2, Jesus said something that, that is really important. Jesus said in Galatians chapter 2, I am what? Got it? Uh, I am what? Somebody tell me. I. He didn't say you. I am what? Crucified with Christ. Is that what he says? Do you like that nevertheless? Nevertheless, I live. Now, how can you be crucified and live? Yet not I. Get this. Christ liveth in me. I like that, don't you? And the life which I now live in the flesh You got that? I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. How many of you are saved? Raise your hand. Let it down. How many were saved by faith? Raise your hand. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Let you down. How many are absolutely sure that you're saved? Raise both hands. Go ahead. Let them down. How do you know that? By faith. Paul said, "For for I know whom I've believed. And I'm persuaded that he is able. Now, how does this cross thing work? This cross thing works the same way that you're saved. By faith. How many of you have ever been baptized? Raise your hand. Okay. Romans chapter 6. How does this cross thing work? A death we must experience. How does this death thing work? Do you know what you did when you got in that baptistry right there? You said, sure, I got wet. (laughs) And, more than likely, the preacher had a hole in his waders and he got wet. (laughs) What did you do? Now, just think a minute. I'm going to go. What did you do when you climbed in that watery grave what did that mean? What was the significance of Brother Jim saying, Buried in the likeness of his death. Raised in the likeness to walk in newness of life. Amen. You said, that, that was how I got in the church. That's, how, that's the door to the church. I got baptized. Look at Romans chapter 6. How does this cross thing work? Know ye that, know ye not, that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ was baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism. Into death. It was by faith you got into the baptistry. It was by faith you know that you're going to heaven. It was by faith that sealed the fact that you're a child of God and heaven is your home. It's by faith you got in there. But after you got in there, when they buried you by the same faith, you died. Amen, preacher. Well, that's what the Bible said. I said, that's what the Bible said. Jesus said, there is a death you must experience. There is a denial you must embrace. And when you got in that baptistry, according to verse 4, therefore we were buried with him by baptism unto death. That like as Christ was raised by the glory was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. Verse 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Let's put a little icing on it. Verse 11. Likewise. Reckon ye also yourselves to be dead. Preacher, are you dead? I reckon. You going to church tonight? I reckon. Come on, somebody say amen. Come on. Am I dead? I reckon. Well, how do you know you did? Because I reckon with the same faith that I know I'm going to heaven. I reckon. How does this cross thing work? By faith. Not by casual faith. Not with convenient faith. Not with comfortable faith. But with committed faith. Faith that honors God. Not pleased us. Faith that brings glory to God. Not enjoyment to us. Well, I'm looking for the church of my choice. Forget it. Look for the church of God's choice. Well, I'm going where I'm comfortable. Like you're living, why should you feel comfortable in any church? Amen. Amen. Are you listening? A Christian says, the preacher made me mad. (laughs) Dead, are you? Dead, are you? How does this cross thing work? There's a denial we've got to embrace. These kids better find that one out real quick. There are some places you say no to. There are some habits you say no to. There are some enjoyment and parties you ought to say no to. If you want to be what God wants you to be, then you cannot go and be what you want to be you've got to deny yourself and you say well preacher that's tough not if you're dead (laughs) not if you're dead it goes on to say those who are dead does not serve sin I must close lastly and I close there's a direction we must follow. I like that. I wish you guys upstairs would like it as much <laughs> as I like it. <laughs> what they did, they had their mouth full of pizza when I said that, and they had to get rid of it. If you want to follow him, deny yourself. Take up your cross. And it is just, follow me. Isn't that easy? Just follow him. Tonight at 6.30. Where do you think he'll be going? You say, preacher, you're being so hard. I'm just being honest. Now for a casual Christian. Or a convenient Christian. Or a comfortable Christian. But he's looking for committed Christians. Follow me. Gandhi had a great impact in the world. He was asked by his friend, If you admire Christ so much, why don't you become a Christian? Gandhi replied, When I meet a Christian who is a follower of Christ, I may consider it. When I find a Christian who is a follower of Christ, Gandhi said, I might consider it. Following Christ is a relationship that drives and defines all that we do. All the time. It's not something we do on Sunday Between 10 and 1230. Being a follower of Christ. It is to replicate God's grace, God's mercy, God's love, and God's forgiveness. It's kind of like marriage. We don't find joy in the institution, but in the person. Did you get that? Following Christ is like marriage. I get no comfort out of being married. I get no joy out of being married. I get joy out of the relationship with a person that I marry. If you just come into church for church... You're not going to get the joy that God wants you to have. And if I am just here because I'm a Baptist and I'm a preacher, then I miss the boat. We should be a follower of Christ. I say to you, what is Christianity to you? A burden or a blessing? A project or a person, a system or a savior, rules or a relationship. Listen to our Lord as he closes what he is saying to his disciples. And he said this For what shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose? His own soul. I preached the funeral of a lot of millionaires. I'm sorry to say, by their own testimony, they lost their own soul. They made something else their God, they devalued their soul. And Jesus asked these guys, for what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Then he promised, whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me. Ashamed of me. And my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed. When he comes in glory.